Shall we pray? So, Father, we thank you tonight for this time in your presence. We thank you for this time given to us to be here all because of you and to direct us to look into your word, O Lord. Father, tonight be with us. You yourself be our teacher, O Lord, tonight, even as you expound your word unto us. And at the end, the glory shall be yours. Father, I thank you and I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So for tonight, the topic actually is living in the God kind of love towards one another. But because of the evangelism emphasis month, we will try and direct it towards how we can, out of love, we can reach out with the gospel to people. I believe that on the issue of evangelism, we have spoken about it several times. Many, many times we speak about evangelism. There are a lot of other church activities. But I believe that virtually most of us spend more time on the other church activities than the real evangelism. And I'm asking myself, why is this so? And what I believe is registering in my heart is that there is a path that Christ took. There is a certain direction that Christ took. And I think that if we can look at the path that Christ took in showing love, perhaps we too can begin to have a certain orientation that will make us do evangelism or reach out to people who have to be loved to be saved because the love of God for which Christ came has become our portion. And it goes for all of us. It can be preachers, teachers, we can spend all the time in our preparation, but not to evangelize. It can be those in song ministration. We can spend all the time in preparations to do everything, but talk about evangelism. You barely will get people to step out to be part of it. And I believe that for Christ, he did it out of love. And I believe that if we also have that kind of love that Christ had to reach out to people to be saved, and the way he committed his life, his resources, and everything towards Laying down his life for us, perhaps we'll begin to have a certain shift in the way we also look at the issue of evangelism. 
And I'd like us to look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That was how Christ showed love. He laid down his life. And it's about his whole life. The life of Christ for us was that let me lay down this life because I love these people who, because of sin, were being cast out. But because of love, Christ said, I will lay down my life for these people. In fact, God himself gave out his only begotten son because of love. God gave his only begotten son because of love. It was not because of anything else. Because he loved us. He said, I am giving out That is the only son that I have. But because I love these sinners, I love mankind, even though we have rebelled, we have disobeyed God, and he himself, we first had to run away from him in the garden, and he had to throw us out. Out of love, God decided to bring us back to himself. It was love. And Christ himself too also had to lay down his life because of love. So it's all about giving our whole, our entire life. That is the only way we can demonstrate that indeed we love the brethren. Now I'm sure you and I will say that are we being told To die the way Christ died. That is not what I'm saying. Because none of us life is worthy to be accepted by the Almighty God. But I'm looking at the dimension where the life which does not even belong to us anyway. Because as he died for us, this life that we live is no longer ours, but his And he's saying that he wants us to direct this life towards loving the brethren. And the only way we can show love to this brethren is to lay down our own lives. And what did Christ do? As you can see in John 3.16, he died for the whole world. We have a project. As the evangelism team has come up with that. It is only one soul. Christ died for the whole world. For us, it is only one soul project. And we've traveled this road before. 
It's about 20 years or so. We said one soul. Each member, one soul. I'm not sure how many of us were able to do it. But thank God we are back to it. And that is why I believe that this time around, maybe if we shift our focus and look at the path that Christ took, maybe we can make progress. And Christ laid down his life. Are we in a position to lay down our lives? This life that we have, we may not be able to lay every aspect of our life, but how much of our life are we ready to spare to love somebody, to bring somebody to the saving of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? How much of my life, how much of your life, are you willing, am I willing to set aside for somebody to know the Lord? It is 24 hours in a day. We have a week. We have months. We have a year. How much of my life, how much of your life, if truly we want to lay down our lives as Christ did, how much of my life am I ready to lay down? Christ gave everything for us. I believe we are struggling with it because evangelism has become like when we have done everything else and probably there is nothing to be done, then let's see if we can do a little bit of it. There are times, for example, even when we go on the Sunday ones that the church has organized. It's just an hour. And sometimes I say to myself, so for the 24 hours, all we can do is an hour. That is all that we can do on a given Sunday. That is all the amount of time we can give as love as the way Christ did. And I'm saying certainly there is more that we can do. He gave his own being. It was a whole, his whole preoccupation is to lay down his life for us. And in the first John 3.16, let's go back to the first John chapter 3, the verse 16 once again. He said, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And he said, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We also. So let's begin to ask ourselves. To what extent am I willing to give this life that even belongs to Christ? How much space? How much time? How much of my resources, if it even belongs to me at all, that I'm going to give, that you are going to give, if indeed we want to live in the God kind of love? That is the issue that I want us to look at this evening. Are we ready to love the brethren by laying down our lives for Christ? And as we go through this, we want to be emphasizing on the path that Christ chose. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2, where we'll take it from verse 
5 to 7. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Who be, let me, please, let's take the King James. The verse 6, please. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, to be equal with God. Verse 7. But made himself. And I would like us to focus on the verse 7. As we said. Made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. The first point here is Reputation. Whether it is in our homes, whether it is in our workplace, whether it is the neighborhood, sometimes the issue of reputation, who we think we are, is even a hindrance to step out there to give this life for people to know Christ. Reputation. But look at Christ. He had to live his glory. He has to live the whole majesty that he had in heaven. And to come down onto this earth to interact with people like us. To receive this good news. And to take his life. Reputation. Who we think we are, it can even be a hindrance. Take even your home, your household, even how many of us were thinking, I want to come down and even sit with the house help, a driver, somebody working there. Sometimes we think it's, we are too big. To even sit down to share the gospel with somebody. In the marketplace, oh, I'm in a certain position. Can we come down? As Christ said, he made himself of no reputation. Meanwhile, if we are to talk about reputation, I don't think any of us can come to the reputation of our Lord. He said, because he said, he was God himself. But he made himself of no reputation. He put aside everything else and said, let me come down to the level of these people and die for them and give my life for them so that they can be reconciled back to the God that we serve. Reputation. Can we go out there and put everything aside that the lives that we have, especially some of us who may think that we have a certain, we are in a certain position. Can we come down? Can we come down? Condescend a bit 
that will make a difference. Can we come down from where we are and say that where I am, some cannot even relate to people. And if we cannot even relate to other people, how can we share this truth that we have with them? Reputation is one issue that this evening I would like us to look at. Can we come down and say, look, I'm putting everything that I'm clothed with and I'm ready to step out there and meet that person, individual there and share this good news with him or her. We need to break the barrier that Christ himself was able to break. He puts aside his reputation. He said, because sometimes, even as you go out there, it is not everybody who lives in a bungalow like this who may even open his living room, <laughs> if it's not even a porch, to open his living room, to come and sit and even hear you out. It is not everybody. I recall after one of the Outreaches that we went, there were a few young men around the, after the La Wireless. And I said, let me try and gather them and share the gospel with them. You know, these are young men. They have no room of their own. And sometimes, I think Pastor once dropped me there. When you get there, it's like you have to sit even on the sewage. <laughs> and that gutter in front of the wireless. You must sit there for about an hour and endure that stench. Are we ready? That is when we need to put everything aside and say, I need to put it. Otherwise, such people have no rooms of themselves. They don't have that luxury where you and I can sit in our comfort and share Christ with them. So we need to put aside whatever we think we are and come to the level where the place might not be convenient. It might not be a place that we are used to, where we sit in our comfort to share the gospel. But if we have to give our lives as Christ did, we will have to put aside whatever reputation that we think we have. That is the only way that indeed we can come to the level of where we can share the gospel. And this same verse 7 He says, he took upon him the form of a servant. Again, you and I should see ourselves as servants. Because Christ, that was what he did. Let me be a servant. Not a master. Not a noble. Not a king. Not a manager. Not a boss. Not an officer. But I'll come down to be a servant. That is the only way we can reach out to the people around us. Otherwise, if we continue to live the way we are, that we begin, we live in a certain class, we are certain people, and even certain areas, we do not think we want to go there. We will not be able to reach out to as many people as possible. And he said, and was made in the likeness of men. You and I should be able to come to the level where we will not even despise the people that are certain levels will reach out to. 
But we want to be like them. That is what Paul said. In certain situations, you just want to be like who the people are. I'm sure, for example, in the military, I mean, if you are a brigadier or a colonel, you may have to find yourself coming down to the level of probably the rank and file and see how you'll be able to share the gospel with them. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves at a certain level where it will be very difficult to share the gospel with people. So here I'm looking at one pattern which Christ did. What he did was that he broke down all barriers, no reputation, the form of a servant, and a likeness of man. And said, let me be like these people. Once I can be like this, then I can flow with them. And then in that way, it makes it possible for us to reach out to the people. And in doing this, we can see that Christ did this out of a sacrifice. Let's quickly look at Psalm 50, verse 5. And then we can come back. Psalm 50, verse 5. It says, Gather my saints together unto me. Psalm 50, verse 5, please. Psalm 50, verse 5 says, Gather my saints unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Brethren, in our service to the Lord, it has to be sacrifice. We cannot do much out of convenience. So we have to be a people who will make a covenant with God. That covenant with God will be that God, this covenant is by sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice the resources that you've given to me. Even sacrifice in terms of prayer. Sacrifice in terms of whatever I have. If it is not an issue of sacrifice, we cannot go far with Christ in any assignment that we have to do. So we have to be a people who will have a covenant with the Most High God. And a covenant is a covenant. That we will stand on it. That in my work with God, I'm going to sacrifice. This life that it has given me will be a life of sacrifice. Because I'm sure there are certain times that the Lord will place a certain burden on your heart. Sometimes you want to relax. But if God puts a burden on your heart to go and preach this good news to somebody, you have to sacrifice your sleep. You have to sacrifice your comfort. So it can only be made by people who have made a covenant with God that their life is going to be one of sacrifice. Then God can call you anytime. Not only the time, but even the place to go. He will lead you there. And once it is a sacrifice, you will find that our conveniences will not matter at all. And that is what he is calling for us this evening. Let's also look at Second Corinthians 
chapter 8, verse 9 to 11. Again, looking at the pattern that Christ also followed, which I believe made it much easier. And indeed, he was able to accomplish whatever that he accomplished. He said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, for our sakes, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That is what Christ did. Let's, let's, okay, let's continue. And herein I give you my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Verse 11. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Let's take it in the Good News Bible, please. Let's take it in the Good News Bible. The Second Corinthians 8. For you are recognizing... No, good news, please. Good news, Bible. Okay, if you don't have them, let's stay on this. For you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His astonishing kindness, His generosity, His gracious favor, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. Let's stay on this. It means that for us, we must be ready to give out something for somebody to have this good news. We must be ready. Out of the richness, whatever we have, we must be ready to let somebody to become rich and then we become poor. I'm sure you're not too comfortable with that. But what am I saying? For example, even with getting somebody even to be saved, it might cost you money, transportation. Money to spend, even to go and visit somebody, to be established. It will mean something given out of what you have. It might not be easy for many people. It will therefore mean that out of what we have, we must give to somebody so that somebody can stand. For somebody even to come to church, you may even have to give that person some money. Otherwise, he cannot make it. And are we ready to do so? Again, I remember there was this friend that I had for about 30 years. And I think in 2009 or so, when he came for a calendar, and I said, I don't have the calendar. What I can give to you is only the message of Jesus Christ. After that, he accepted do and came. But he said, I live at Achimota. What do I have to do? After I had come here every morning, I had to arrange 
for a vehicle to go and pick him all the way from Achimota and bring him here and take him back for almost a month before I handed him over to Pastor Hilda in those days. And if I hadn't done that and said, oh, I also don't have money. And you know that man, after receiving Christ, lived for only two months. But for those two months, every week, I sent a driver to go and pick him from Achimota, bring him and send him. One month, I arranged for him to be at Dome Branch. Followed him up. After the second month, he was gone. In fact, even your sofa led me, I had to go and bury him at Anyaku. That gem is So I had to give out and say the driver must go and pick him every Sunday morning all the way from Achimota for one month. And thank God, like I said, after the second month, he was called to glory. And in that second month, when he was posted, when he went to Domi, they happened to be doing a teaching on heaven. And he asked a series of questions. And after that, that was the end. Could you imagine that I said, well, I have shared the gospel with you. If you don't have money to come, I have done my part. <laughs> but for those two months, the cost of petrol, somebody must bear it. <laughs> and I'm saying, these are some of the things that Christ laid his life. We may not have to die for it, but we must be ready to give out. We must be ready to give out something. Because for somebody truly, he can only stand if we are ready to give out something. So for the people that we have been sharing the gospel with, we must begin this one soul project. I sincerely believe that we all should begin to count the cost of that one soul. For some of us, the cost may be our time outside the normal general outreach time. We need to come to the point that maybe in a week I'm going to set aside about, about maybe an hour of the time that life, which is the life of Christ, that one hour will be dedicated to a certain soul. Remember that Christ laid his life for the whole world. You and I are laying our life for just one soul. And one hour out of 24 hours times seven, that one hour alone, I don't think it will be too much of a requirement of us. So let's begin to count because there is certainly a cost if this one soul, one project should be a reality. There is a cost to it. The first cost, I believe, is time. Can we commit an hour, maybe in a week, to that one soul? The second one is, like I said, transportation. Maybe all the person needs might be 20 CDs or 10 CDs a week. That cost, let's begin to note it and put it down. Somebody, all he needs is a Bible. 
begin to say that as I have this person in mind, I'm setting aside, if I can't buy anything at all, I should be able to buy a Bible. A Bible at most 60, 70 CDs. Bible, one Bible should be enough. Transportation, 10, 20 CDs. I'm sure somebody is saying it's too much. But let's begin to come to the point where I'm sure there are other things that you and I, we have excesses, but we are still buying. We should begin to say that enough is enough for some of those excesses. And let's see how we can commit and count the cost of bringing somebody to the full knowledge of Christ. Can I commit maybe in a week 10 CDs, in a month 40, 50 CDs as my cost for somebody to be fully converted? That is the cost I may have to look at. For somebody, it might be clothing. Somebody will tell you, oh, I cannot. I don't have anything to wear. So I can't even come to church regularly. Is it possible? Again, to factor into it, how much am I willing to set aside? I'm sure all of us have many, many clues already. Can we begin to do a little investment? Two or three shirts. One or two trousers. It might not be too much. If we know that it's a soul, and that soul, if it stands, is to the glory of God, I believe it will be worthwhile. So, I believe that these are some of the, <clears throat> this particular verse is saying that there is a cost in getting a soul established. And we should be conscious of the fact that it is going to cost you and I. I believe that because we have not taken into account the fact that it is going to cost us. That is why it's like a touch and go. I touch it once and if, well, it is not working out, <laughs> let me leave it. But there is a cost. And once we are conscious of the fact that there is a cost to it, let's begin to prepare for it. Time, transportation, Bible, clothing, and whatever. And even some of them may even come to a point where if we can assist them even to stand and even making a living, whatever small little way we can do, we should begin to look at it as well. The third point that I believe that we also need to look at what Christ did had to do with prayer. Has to do with prayer. You know, what we are dealing with is not a casual matter. That's why even Christ himself, let's go through Acts chapter 1, where he talks about in the verse 4, so where they said, you should wait, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And being, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait 
this waiting, brethren, let's begin to look at this concept of waiting. It's not just waiting for somebody for an hour. We all know what the meaning of waiting is. It means spending time. What we call waiting on the Lord. Again, it is one of the sacrifices that we should be willing and ready to go through. The Bible doesn't tell us for how long God, Jesus, told them to wait. But waiting to receive authority, waiting to receive power from our Lord Jesus Christ is something which is needful. And as one of the sacrifices that you and I must go through to be able to make this one soul project a success is that we need to develop that culture of waiting on the Lord and consistently praying for the people. Consistently praying for the people. Again, it will mean that we will need to set aside time for that soul that the Lord will give to us. We need to set aside a time. Is it an hour, a week? Burden for that soul alone. Again, that calls for sacrifice. That is what I said. God is gathering saints who have a covenant of sacrifice with him. Waiting for that individual. And if all I'm doing, all you are doing is that there is this one soul. There is a burden of prayer. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm crying out to the Lord. Until this soul is established, I'm not going to let go. Again, that is going to be a form of sacrifice. And we should be ready for that. A sacrifice that will take you and I our time. And we need to spend time in the Lord. And not only spending and praying for that individual it will also allow Christ to endure us with that authority to be able to break through. Because some of the people that will be reaching out to, if you know where some of them are coming from, and the encounters that they have had, if you don't have that authority, backed by our Lord Jesus Christ, for you to handle that soul, if you are not even careful, you yourself, I knew someone who at a point he said, oh, there was this Rasta person. And he was jokingly dealing with this evangelism with that individual. And for that individual ended up being influenced by that Rasta person and also became a Rastafarian. And I'm saying to myself, and this is a real life situation. Genuinely went out to reach out to evangelize. But he didn't know what he was going to meet. Jokingly, jokingly, oh, you Rastafarian, as if teasing, teasing. In the end, this Rastafarian turned that sister or that brother to his feet. That is why I'm saying, let's not take even this evangelism as casual. It is not everybody who just you meet. And you take, you make light of it. 
There are many people who have gone through places before you meet them. And as you encounter them, if you have not been endued with power and authority from the Most High God, if you are not careful, you yourself will be consumed. There are even others who, trying to win other people, they themselves have fallen out of lust for the very people they were going to rather convert. That is why I'm saying this laboring in prayer before the Almighty God, if we truly want to let this thing stand. And as you can see, Christ himself, each time in his ministry, even him, he always prayed. He didn't say that he was God and didn't take it lightly. Because he knew, even him, didn't take things lightly. He knew that there are forces to contend with. And therefore I pray that for us as well, the path that Christ chose for us is that we need to labor in prayer. As we labor in prayer, he will endure us with authority and with power. The fourth point which is also linked with laboring in prayer, is that we need to learn to be with Him. I think that sometimes, a little casual observation, I see that, you know, we just take the general outreach casually. Uh, I think that if we really want to make this one soul project a very serious thing, let's begin to be people who will spend time with the Lord. So in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And he, go, he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained the twelve that they would be with him and that he might send them forth. If you have not been with him, let's be very careful. I believe in going, just going on our own. Then, has he sent us? Because if he hasn't sent you, it is not everywhere that you can easily go. That is why I pray that if we truly want to make this issue of evangelism a serious part of us, let's begin to be people who will learn to spend time with the Lord. And let He Himself send us out. If that is done, then I believe that we'll be able to achieve the needed results. The last but not the least point that I would like to make is that Let's learn to make evangelism. We are saying November is the month of evangelism. November is only one month out of the 12 months. It certainly is not enough. If we take even the monthly church one, it's only about two Sundays in a month. But I think we need to move up. We need to step up 
and moving to a higher level. Where would make evangelism a way of life? Where we can make evangelism a way of life? And I must say, there was an experience I had in 1996 which has stayed with me. There was a medical officer in the Matahiko area. In the days when one was trying to prepare on a mortgage, you need to do a medical examination. And after sitting through with this doctor, he decided to share the gospel with me in his office. And since that day, that experience, it's something that has been part of me and I am finding very useful. I mean, in that consulting room, of course, in your office and wherever you find yourself, so long as it will not breach certain office rules where maybe there's a queue for somebody to come and you are not disturbing the office environment and it is possible for you to preach the good news to somebody, I think let's begin to make the gospel a way of life. Because one month, in a month, a year of 12 months, it's certainly not enough. And this doctor, since it is in 1996, it's something that has made a deep impression on me and continues whatever, whatever space that I get, either if I come to you or you come to me, within that space, if it is possible, I endeavor to make it an attempt to share this gospel with you. And I must say, this gentleman who I shared with in 19, 2009, who passed on, like I said, he came to the office. He came for just a calendar. And I said, Mr. Kuokung, it is not a calendar that you need. What you need is the gospel. And after two months, if I said that it's an office setting, and therefore it's an office, and I think that sometimes we try to make it too official. It's too official. But once that environment does not offend, it will not create any problem. I think we should be willing and ready to share the gospel of people who come into our space. Whether it's an artisan who will come to your home to work, whether you are sitting there, they are bring, anybody who comes within your space and it's possible for you to share the gospel. I think we have come to a point where truly, if we are saying that we should not be ashamed of the gospel, then don't be ashamed of the gospel wherever we find ourselves. Now, somebody may ask, in conclusion, all of this, is it worth it? Yes, indeed, it is worth it. Certainly, it is worth our time to follow the pattern of Christ. It is worth our time. It is the only activity <clears throat> that the Bible says that if you and I do it, it will catch the attention of the heavens. So yes, I may be teaching, I may be preaching. But in Luke chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 10, Luke chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 10. So there are many things that you and I may be doing. 
it can consume our time. And we can be running all around, back to back. Heaven probably will not notice what I'm doing. But the scripture says, And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven. Over one sinner that repented, more than over 99 just persons which need repentance. And I believe for me there is an excitement that if reaching now to somebody with the good news and that person will repent, will bring joy, I will pursue that and you must pursue that. The verse 10 says, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Brethren, so this is it. It is worth our time. There are many things that we may be doing. We can be running around, sweating, doing many things. Probably doesn't excite heaven. But we think we are doing something. We think we are laboring. But one soul, one soul that you and I can reach out to, and that person can say, I have surrendered to Christ. You see, there is joy in heaven. And if continuously, I mean, I like this man, D.L. Moody. He made it his target that every day he will win one soul. And if he's able to win one soul, which means every day the attention of heaven was on D.L. Moody. Every day. Every day, the whole heavens, the attention was on Moody because he had won somebody to Christ. And as we walk on the face of this earth, if as I walk, if as you walk, heaven's attention is always on me. What else do I need? What more attention do you and I need? What fame do we need? What publicity do we need? The whole heavens is looking at you and I because I have won a soul. You have won a soul. This for me is a challenge. The second point which makes it worth our time to win a soul. I have looked at it from Daniel chapter 12 verse. So even whilst we are alive, we bring joy to heaven. And then on the resurrection, on the resurrection, if you and I have been able to lead somebody to righteousness, there too we shall shine. So for me, these two factors or these two points are enough to make us, to motivate us to make this one soul project a reality. So in Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, and many, so whilst we are alive, we'll be making heaven happy. And on the resurrection, and many of them that sleep, so as we, we die, we are asleep in the dust of the earth. We shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting content. But the verse 3 says, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars 
forever and ever we shall shine. Hallelujah. So brethren, evangelism for me is something that you and I it should challenge us now to make it a way of life. It should not be a past, something which when we are tired, when we have nothing doing, when somebody has compelled us, when somebody has dragged me before I move into it. I think the time has come that it should challenge you and I to make it as part of our lives. Because Christ laid his life down. And the life that you and I have, which belong to him, because this is the life that he has redeemed, he has saved, this life belongs to him. He says, we ought to lay our lives also for the brethren. And I don't think it is too much. Our time, our resources, as we count the time that he has given to us, I believe we'll be able to do it. Let's just challenge ourselves that it is worthwhile sharing Christ. Because we are saying that we are not ashamed. Sometimes just sharing the gospel is your own life situation. What Christ has done for you. And I don't think it is shameful. I do not think that sharing what Christ has done for you and I is something to be shameful about. There is no shame. So why not? Why not? Christ had a pattern. His own life, he did it for us. Let's follow the pattern of Christ. As we follow his pattern, putting reputation aside, coming as a servant, whatever what I have I think is the richness to make somebody to rich. Let me empty myself. Empty yourself. Let's give out what we have. It's going to cost us, but let's be ready to do it. And it will set the heavens. Joy will be on the heavens. So as I walk and you and I walk on the face of the earth, we make the heavens happy. And I like one statement that D.L. Moody, people around him, said when he was passing on. He lived for only 62 years. But midlife, he caught his vision that every day he will win somebody to Christ. And he said, on his dying bed, I see the earth receding and I see the heaven opening. God is calling me. God is calling me. I mean, that is the beautiful way to live and to transition. And it's all because he made so winning his passion. He was so much broken for the lost. And he said he had a deep love for his Savior, Jesus Christ. And these were the driving forces behind his passions for souls. I pray that it should be our portion as well. And let's commit our lives to soul winning. And if we do so, this one soul project, showing love to people, will be a reality. 
Father, we want to thank you for this evening. That is all the reason why you made you and I even to know you. You didn't open our hearts to receive the gospel and just to keep to ourselves. You've opened our hearts to receive Christ, to know the truth so that we can pass it on. In our own homes, where we carry out our trade, our profession, in our communities, let's make it a culture. Help us, Lord, to put everything aside and say that, look, we want to enter into a covenant of sacrifices with you. Evangelism will not be a thing of convenience. It is not when I have a spare time. We make time for many things. Even in the day, in the name of church activity, we even make time for many things, but not to touch somebody with the gospel. But the time has come. The time has come to share Christ. Lord, help us to truly make the gospel, sharing of the gospel, a way of life. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.